Hi folks, and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. Please don't hit that forward 30 second button. Listen, hear me out. We need your support. We're putting out a ton of content. The Echo Chamber is coming up on its 1000th episode. And by the way, if you are a patron, send me in your questions for us and we're going to answer them as part of our 1000th episode. It's mad to think that we've made it to 1000 episodes, especially since it's not viable. It's a ton of work, a ton of research and a ton of production goes into all of the Tortoise Shack podcasts. And the only way we keep it going is with your help. So if you're one of the thousands of people who are listening, please consider clicking that link right now that says patreon.com forward slash tortoise joining us and help keep a struggling platform limping along. We appreciate every single cent we get. Someone said, if you met your favorite podcast host, would you buy them a cup of coffee? Uh, this is your way of buying a cup of coffee for that podcast host to keep that podcast going. No one's more aware of how difficult things are at the moment than we are. We work tirelessly to campaign against inequality and the cost of living crisis. We know what the reality is out there, but all we're asking you is the price of a fancy cup of coffee once a month to keep the show on the road. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the support. I won't delay any further. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Reboot Republic, the podcast that goes behind the headlines and looks at the big issues in this republic of inequality. We are the podcast of solutions and the podcast of hope. And I'm your host, Rory Hearn. And I'm delighted to be joined on the podcast today by Jack Walsh, who some of you might know from Killing a Scully, from Vikings, from Penny Dreadful. Um, and Jack is in a new play called Welcome to Ireland. Meltdown of an Irish Tour Guide, which I saw last Thursday evening in the Civic Centre, um, Civic Theatre in Tala, and it was absolutely fantastic. Anyone at all who's interested in housing, um, or Ireland indeed, uh, well worth getting along. Um, and it is coming up in the um, Project Arts Centre and also in Ballymon as well, and we'll get more details of that. Listen, Jack, thanks so much for coming on Reboot Republic today. You're very welcome, Rory. I'm glad you came to see the show. I did, yeah. I have to say it was very good. I brought my uh, my 18-year-old son along with me and uh, he found it very interesting as well. Um, what brought you to do the play, Jack? Well, <clears throat> basically, it's it's uh, autobiographical, you know. I yeah. mean, you say semi-autobiographical because it's a play, so you sort of join a few things together um, uh, to make it, you know, work better as a play. But essentially... Um, it, almost everything in that play happened to me, and okay. uh, you know, and the rest of it is flights of fancy in my mind, and the rest of it, like at one, I play about forty characters in seventy minutes. So, yeah. you know, like as you know, there's a lot of humor in it, some of it dark humor and all that, a lot of satire at one point. You know, like I play, I play landlords, I play tourists, I play um, Saint Patrick at one point. Um, so. Yeah. There's a lot in there. And, you know, it's all it deals with our perceptions of Ireland and also the fact, I mean, the, the, the thing was that I was an actor and I was doing pretty well. And then rents were going up and up. And so I realized, OK, you know, the one thing about acting is that you never know what's coming up uh, work wise. Right. There's, yeah. an element, there's an element of hope all the time which doesn't really translate into to pounds and shillings and pence, as we used to say in the old days. So I decided to train as a tour guide because tour guides do what actors do. They tell stories. 
And I yeah. thought, okay, well, I could do that. And so I did with Fudge Ireland. And so there were certain things they told us about, you know, uh, which I actually have as voiceovers in the show. Yeah. They don't want to know what you think. They're here to enjoy themselves and all that. That was said to us, you know. So uh, I thought that's a bit, you know, I'm not sure I agree with that. You know, like you have to feel like with a, a theater audience, when you're with tourists, you have to feel out your audience. You know, what can they expect? Why are they interested in hearing all that? But you can slip things in, um, you know, depending on your sense of humor and the way you do it. And so I was always going to see that as a red rag to a bull. And so this show is my answer to that in a way. Like I very much enjoyed my time as a tour guide <clears throat> uh, in many ways, although the grinding nature of the tourism industry uh, I, I didn't particularly like, you know, like as in the show, getting up at six in the morning to go down the docks and take a busload of people off a cruise ship. And then you have to deal with the tour management and all that. Um, but at the same time, what was happening was that I realized that that wasn't even going to save me. That the money yeah. from the, tour, the tourism industry wasn't going to save me uh, because there were bigger Things at work, you know, like landlords selling to estate agents or vulture funds are indeed getting caught themselves by vulture funds because they're mortgages. And so you became a pawn in a chess game. And yeah, yeah. And essentially, that, and it, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it, no, no, it, it was really interesting. So many parts of it um, I thought were, were really good. Um, like the, I was struck by, you know, obviously, you know, doing, you know, in the housing, um, analyzing this, working on a campaign on it all the time. I was struck by kind of different angles you took on it, which I thought was interesting. And I thought your emphasis on it, which obviously was in the story, you know, your 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 life and uh, what experience on Airbnb was really interesting and the short stay and how that impacted on your life in terms of like the you know, the, the various, the turnover of the whatever, the German, Spanish, uh, you know, pumping yeah. out there and um, the music upstairs and you just trying to come home after the day and get some rest and how that kind of impacted, you know, and, and then there was, you know, other parts which were, which struck me as well. I was struck by as well, as you spoke about yourself, you know, a man in his, whatever, you know, late 50s, you know, mid 50s, late 50s and where where were you to get housing and that kind of situation? And of course, your your portrayal of the landlord was absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, I've had landlords like it myself as well. You know, the country fellow was like, uh, oh, I was easy. <laughs> you were like, I, you know, I was looking on daft, and daft said, like the landlord himself looking on daft yeah. and the daft prince. And I was struck by that as well because there's a lot of talk about all oh, this new supply of investor fund housing is great because. You know, it's this great new supply. But yes, when it's setting these rents of, you know, two grand for a studio apartment, then, of yeah. course, the landlords are looking at that and going, oh, shit, Jesus, I could get that as well. Yeah, that's it. Like, you know, because what you're referring to there, Rory, is um, like I wrote four songs, original songs for it. And one of them is yeah. called Look What They're Getting on Daft. And that was yeah. actually what he said to me. That's what the landlord said. Uh, I said, how much are, are you putting the rent up by? And he says, well, a fair whack. Look what they're getting yeah. on Daft. And I thought, okay. And so I wrote a song based yeah. on my landlord turning into Christy Moore and beating a bar on with look what, yeah. they're, look what they're getting, look what they're getting on Daft. And I mean, that was sort of a mantra for him. Look what they're getting on Daft. Mm -hmm. You know, and I mean, at the same time, Rory, 
I think we both recognize that that type of landlord is somebody who is slowly giving way to the new type, which I pointed out in the show as well, the institutional landlord, which you were talking about there. And it's all very well, Leo and the rest of them talking about, oh, look at the amount of new apartments because they have the money to build them and all this. Yeah, but only if you can afford them. You know, it's not like, oh, there's loads more now, so they're all going to get cheap. No, 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 they're not going to get cheap. They're they're going to stay up there because they're going to be at Google Heights, right? Uh, you know, and that's one of the offshoots of sort of having the big tech industry here that are paying practically no tax because they can afford to pay people big salaries and they can afford to pay those rents. They don't want to pay them, but they can afford to. But Joe, yeah, so, yeah. and you were talking about yeah. people my age, you know, I'm in my 60s now. But um, people my age, like in the old days, you know, there were bedsits, right? Yeah. You're not talking salubrious accommodation, but it was grand. You know, people like Patrick Kavanagh, the writer, you know, who has a statue um, down the way there in the Grand Canal because he used to live in a bedsit on Pembroke Road, uh, yeah. over Raglan Road. He wrote the, the, the song for Luke Kelly. And he could afford to live there the rest of his life because that was the way in the old days. Then they decided to make bedsits illegal because, as I say in the show, you deserve better, but you can't compete for better. So out you go. And, yeah. and that's a huge problem. Like, how do single yeah. older people um, manage, you know, because the rents are set for young, uh, what we used to call yuppies, you know, young, yeah. mobile people who don't have financial problems and are going to attain some sort of golden future somewhere. Yeah, uh, That's what every rent is set for. So yeah. that's the problem. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the other thing I was struck by, like there's some great humour in it, um, was the, the description of um, the Guinness uh, storehouse, or what's it called? The, yeah, the Guinness the, storehouse experience. Yeah. yeah, the storehouse experience has been like from Dante's hell. Something like that. <laughs> and, and, and the toilet, you know, on every level and your description of the American tourist and what they needed. And and I was struck by, you know, that, as you said, this kind of being always happy. And in a way, like I'm sure you were intending it, like the, you could draw out the analogy from like Ireland always saying, oh, everything's grand. Keep smiling while we bring in the tourists and the tech, while our literally families and children's are, our children are been and you know, individuals and people in their 50s and 60s and 70s that have been evicted into homelessness, but keep on smiling. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, that's it. You know, like uh, another in another song, I, 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 which is called Apathy, the musical, yeah. I, I say, um, well, the universe says to be happy anyway, to give gratitude, you know, and then I list off the things I'm thankful for, basically not being you know, homeless or whatever, uh, and all that. And, you know, it's it's a satire and the whole thing that you've just mentioned. Uh, and like, it's interesting, I was I was looking at um, Sally Rooney's article in the weekend section of the Irish Times, I don't know if you saw it. Um, yeah, I did, yeah, yeah. I, th I, thought, I thought it was excellent, you know, she yeah. lays it out for the layman, you know, what is the housing crisis all about? In fact, Leo should read it because he apparently doesn't know what it's about. Um, <laughs> remember when Leo was Taoiseach first time out and I remember he actually said who could have predicted the housing crisis and I remember thinking at the time because I was in that flat in Capel Street I, I thought Leo a three year old child could have predicted yeah. 
you know, but you obviously you were only in government. So how could you have predicted it? You know, yeah. this circle, you know, and I just thought, my God, that fellow's running the country. Um, and now he's back running it again, which is handy because he features in some of my songs, you know. So, yeah, but yeah. I thought Sally's uh, article was dead on. And, yeah, uh, no, it was absolutely. Yeah, no, no, it was excellent. It was excellent. And um, the other thing that came to is actually my son said it. And he said it was an absolutely excellent description of the housing crisis explained, um, you know, for for as you, you know, for the lay person. And he was struck as well by your anger and the rightful anger. You know, you are angry in it. Yeah. Expressing that. And I was kind of struck by that as well. You know, that raw emotional anger that was there. Yeah, well, I mean, I remember uh, a friend of mine who's a spoken word poet. Um, wrote uh, a poem to to Leo at one point a few years back about the housing crisis. And and towards the end, the only bit I remember telling him, the only bit I didn't agree with was that towards the end, he was sort of hoping that Leo might change and become the Taoiseach we all hoped he'd be in all that. And I I remember saying to him, you can forget that. Forget that. And and I mean, that was one of the reasons um, I, I I made sure the anger was in there. You know, and and I was also particularly angry, not just for people my age, but for the younger people. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, like so many, so uh, so few of them now own their own homes and so few of them have a chance of owning their own homes. And, and I just think that people my age and uh, maybe a generation or two underneath them have sold them out. You know, mm. and like in mm. Sally's article, she talks about, well, maybe the government are just trying to look after their own voter base. And that's exactly it. Do you yeah. know, the yeah. ones who yeah. have the, not only the people who have their own house, but the people who are uh, cutely investing in these cuckoo funds, vulture funds, etc. You know, Irish people do that, too. So yeah. and that's the point I make in the show that we're not just one people, you know. That, that we have to look at ourselves and see that it, we can't blame the Brits now, you know, like in the old days. There was an us and them, but now the us and them is within Ireland, do you know? So, yeah. no, no. You, I think and, and I, important. Sorry? I think anger is important. Yeah, no, I, I do too, absolutely. And it, it was just, you know, it was striking to see it and, and kind of the, the stage and the... The play, um, and that's the, the the other aspect you were talking about, um, which you draw on quite a bit. Is it's, it's quite literary as well in drawing on, you know, Yeats and um, you know, the fumbling in the greasy till, and that's what point you're making there. And you ask, yeah. um, and I can't remember who you were drawing on. Which one you asked? What was this for? Or was this, you know, was this? I can't remember you said it exactly, but. Was this the republic we fought for? Was this what yeah. we died for? Yeah, uh, that, that was mainly Yates um, to do with the whole 1916 thing. And, um, you know, we know their dream enough to know they dreamed and are dead and all that, you know, like from Easter 1916. I also draw on Jonathan Swift, Flann O'Brien um, and James Joyce uh, because, uh, like, I gave literary tours as well. And I'm an actor and I, I love all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, basically, I'm using the weapons that I use to sell Ireland to face Ireland with its own plamos. That's yeah, right. Yeah. And I'm yeah. doing it in a way that entertains people. 
and and it is is funny, is angry, is literary, is whatever. Um, but it's not boring. And and like the thing is, you know, it's also sort of um, waking us up and sort of saying, well, this is actually the reality. And it couldn't have come out at a better time. Like we did the show you saw was the night before St. Patrick's Day, and you know. The next day I walked down to the Project Art Centre where I'm appearing from tomorrow night on until Saturday. It's in Temple Bar, of course. And, uh, of course, there's all these people dressed as leprechauns in front of it. And there's yeah. my my image of a, an exasperated tour guide. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I thought, there you go. Thank you. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, of course, the other thing is the timing. We have the government uh, removing the eviction ban as well. Um, and I was I was thinking of that watching the play, you know, in you and yeah. your your room, mold with the mold and everything in the dam, and yet still it was a place that you had, and yet thinking how many people like you are going to be evicted out of their homes yeah. in the coming weeks and months, and how wrong that is, how wrong. Yeah, and it's 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 really uh, strange to hear the language about it. You know that oh. Uh, well, you know, okay, the eviction ban was okay in its time, but it actually did more harm than good. This is Leo and the lads talking. Yeah, you know that, and uh, I actually they're sort of saying, oh, because so many private landlords are fleeing the market and stuff. Um, but uh, you, there was a headline the Irish Independent I saw, um, I think it was last week or the week before, where it basically laid out that it, it was to stop the flight of the cuckoo funds. You know, and yeah, it's hard to avoid the thought that that's really what's behind it. Do you know what I mean? They, these are their their new masters, and they don't want to lose them for some reason. I don't know why they don't want to lose them. You know, yeah. But that's I I was struck. I was struck as well what you said there. Um, in terms of it's not these cuckoo funds are also in you know Irish, in that you know you have the Irish residential um. Real Estate Investment uh, Trust, IRES REIT, which yeah. is an Irish-based uh, one. You have Erbio is another big one now, and one of the big new corporate landlords. That's all Irish investors. That yeah. they, it's not just you know international money that is invested in these new um, forms of corporate landlords. But I do think you know that the biggest influence on their decision, I think, was the lobby of landlords, and that that would be their grouping. That that's yeah. the people who they know, and they hear the the stories of the poor landlord who can't sell his property, and um, because there's a tenant in it, yeah, and they don't live or don't know of anyone who's actually had to leave their home and have nowhere else to go to. I just think they have no connection with that; they're just disconnected. Yeah, absolutely, you're absolutely right, and you know they know that those landlords, as long as they play ball, will vote for them. Yeah, and, um, yeah. and that the tenants probably won't. Yeah. So, yeah. which is, but I, but I mean, when you look at the reality of this um, overturning of the eviction ban, um, you know, how many families are going to be, uh, you know, out on their ear? And like, there, there's, it's not just like the extremes, Rory, obviously, you know, of people in doorways and that, that we see, mm-hmm. got, you know, women and kids and whole families in hotel rooms in the back of the beyonds, uh, kids sort of gone, where are my friends? Uh, well, yeah. that's in the past now. You, you yeah. don't have friends, you know, and we'll we'll ferry you 20 miles to school every day until we're moved to somewhere uh, else. 
And you you can't live like that. And I mean, the thing is, as Sally Rooney points out, half a billion spent a year on HAP, housing assistance payment, to pay private landlords because the tenants can't afford to pay the rent. Instead of using to to buy up or to build housing stock for public housing. Yeah. And that brings us on to, in the play, you describe at the end, you actually get the call from the council. You you, um, go back to your ex-partner and discuss, you know, you have to couch surf because you're evicted um, and you go into what would be described as hidden homelessness. You go couch surfing and then she says to you, or they say to you, you know, go, will you go, why don't you contact the council? And you do. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, that happened. And uh, I got, I don't know, somebody up there was looking out for me because um, I literally got on to the right person. And it's not like that one person had a bunch of flats and the other person didn't. Yeah. It's yeah. just that I, I spoke to somebody who um, had a heart, I suppose, and was listening to my woes. And I was so I was here. Uh, you're on three different housing lists for three different areas. And, you know, I I wasn't near enough for a one bedroom flat. And, you know, then she said, um, oh, would would you consider a bed sit if it came up? And I said, I thought they were illegal. And she said, oh, well, it's sort of like more a studio with a tiny kitchen, a tiny shower room. And I said, yeah, please. And she said, well, uh, you know, they don't come up very often, but, you know, and we don't have many of them, but, you know, they're for people. Uh, you know, of of your age group, old, basically, um, yeah. with, with many with medical issues like yourself. So I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, as I say in the play, I forgot to take her name, and I thought, oh Jesus, that's right. And did that? Did you actually really forget to take her name? I did, yeah, because I'm an Egypt. Um, and, <laughs> uh, but you know, I wasn't going to badger her anyway. You know, I mean, yeah, they, yeah. they didn't come up very often. But it would, you know, would have been a security blanket mentally. Yeah, of course. Anyway, yeah. I, you know, so I thought I'd blown that, and uh, and then I was, you know, scrambling around the place, you know, uh, trying to find all sorts of options, and uh, still couch surfing. And then I got that phone call, you know, uh, from the council. Yeah, sounds are sounds from Dublin City Council. I ring you Monday, leave your phone on which sort of yeah. was an odd one. And uh, yeah. then I rang up and they offered me uh, this little sort of what they call a bedsit in the community of older people. And it was like, Jesus, that's unbelievable. And it's, it's one of the, as I said in the play, the success stories of Dublin City Council, when they're allowed to do it, yeah, you never hear about, you know, yeah. council. I mean, for example, Rory, we never hear about the term council housing anymore because that is synonymous with, in certain middle class people's minds, uh, of, uh, I don't know, drugs or violence or whatever, right? You know, so now we call it social housing or public housing, which sounds nicer. We just don't build any. Do you know what I mean? You know, whereas before we had council housing and we used to build a lot of them, right? I talk about the the old Dublin city housing architect in the play, Herbert Sims. You do, yeah, you do, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, who who actually took his own life due to overwork. I didn't put that in the play yeah. because they, re- yeah. they replaced his assistant when he retired. But, you know, uh, he was amazing. And, like, they were doing incredible things at the time. But now 
oh no, we're told, no, you can't put a load of poor people together because they'll all start fighting each other. So we have to have maybe a few here and a few there. But the problem is that the middle class people don't want to live next to those few council houses, social houses. So they don't get built. They get eventually shoved out to wherever, do you know? Yeah. And yeah. uh but you know, uh, there there are success stories from Dublin City Council. So, so you're in Dublin City Council housing now. I am. And it, what struck me was the value of what we call council housing, social housing, public housing. That where were you to go? What was going to happen to you if you hadn't got that? Uh, I, I yeah, I I don't want to think about it too much. Um, you know, I, I would have been couch surfing for as long as was humanly possible. Um, because the problem is once you're off the hamster wheel of the private rented s- sector, right? Um, getting back on as somebody in their sixties, unless you've got a whole bunch of money is practically impossible because yeah. you don't fit the, the, the brief of what they want. Yeah. You know, yeah. you, you don't fit it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like, so, so yeah, that is that is a huge, huge problem. But it, it shows the value of it and the importance of it. And, you know, you talk about that, and, and I talk a lot about it and have done over the years in my books about and stuff about it. It wasn't just that middle-class people, um, you know, don't like the idea of council housing. It was a policy and has been government policy for 30 yeah. years to yeah. stop building ideologically. Because, of course... When you think about it, is social housing is a competition to the market, to yes. developers, to investor funds, to landlords. And if there's loads of public housing, like in Vienna or like in, you know, yeah. wherever other European countries where they do have a lot of it, people go, well, I want to rent there. It's cheap. Yeah. It's Well, not cheap, but it's affordable. It's of decent quality. I've lifetime. Why would I go bother buying a house, paying crazy money? Yeah. And you see, actually... The, you know, the change that's needed. And I do feel it's starting to happen. People have realized, I think, and particularly younger people are going, we know we want social housing for everyone. Like, why, why shouldn't social housing be available for everyone? Why shouldn't it be built to meet people's housing need rather than this obsession with the market, which just sends us around in this constant, say, hamster wheel of housing crisis? Yeah, well, as you know very well, I mean, this all came from uh, Thatcher, essentially, you know, in the early 80s, deciding, um, and they always make it sound like a good idea. Well, everyone yeah. had to have the right to own their own home. So they yeah. allowed people with council housing to buy their council houses. And that sounded great. And then P. Flynn, Parik Flynn, who was, I think, Minister for Housing or whatever, the environment, or whatever, at some point in the late 80s, he got on the, the, the bandwagon and he did it for Ireland. And that sounded great. And then they stopped building new ones. And so as you say, then the market started saying, oh, look, all these new houses we can sell, you know. So that was great for the private sector. And it was grand for the people who were able to buy their own houses. The problem was those houses existed for people who couldn't afford to buy houses. And now there were a lot less of them. And now yeah. there's a hell of a lot less of them. So, yeah. Yeah. so they, yeah, social housing doesn't need to be about squalor at all. Yeah. Where I live, it's not about that. And there, there's some lovely people here. And in Vienna that you mentioned, I remember seeing this incredible apart, a series of apartment blocks with gardens on them and everything. And like people, you know, 
they just lived there and were delighted to live there and just thought it was normal. And that was social housing. Now, I don't see why we can't have that. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, Jack, thanks so much for coming on today. And um, I really enjoyed the place. So thank you for doing it. Great. Well, can I just say, um, remind people that it's on in the Project Arts Centre in Temple Bar from tomorrow night. That's well, I'm speaking on Monday. So it's Tuesday, uh, the 21st of March until Saturday, the 25th. And it's at quarter to eight. Uh, Welcome to Ireland. Meltdown of an Irish tour guide. It's a lot of crack, 40 characters in 70 minutes. And uh, and then we're going to the Axis Theatre in Ballymun on the last two days of March. That's Thursday and Friday of the following week, of next week. Okay. Great uh, stuff. Listen. Thanks, Rory, for having me on. Thanks so much. Thanks, Jack. And thanks, listeners. I think you'd really enjoy that play. Well worth going to. Um, as I said, I really found it um, interesting and engaging and very entertaining as well. So highly, highly recommend it. Um, and continue as well. We are, um, as listeners know, continuing to campaign um, against the lifting of the eviction ban. There is a raise the roof protest taking place on Tuesday evening at five o'clock at the Dáil. And there is also a petition online uplift. Um, you can go over and sign it to keep the eviction ban in place if you can. We're almost at 5,000 signatures. If you can sign it, share it around and, of course, share the podcast around so much thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you all very very soon